0: Uh, let's pray. Father God, it's always such a pleasure to be uh, with your people and to be focusing on your word. And we just pray this week as we look at the life of this incredible man, Paul, um, and the amazing things that you did in him and through him and with him. Uh, we just pray that you would uh, bless us and encourage us. Uh, and if we can pull just one or two things away each day to to encourage us and to challenge us. Um we know that that will, will bless us and, and and enhance our relationship with you. And, and really, that's what we pray for today, that you would draw us closer to yourself, um, that we would be able to focus uh, more on your son and what he has done in our lives. We pray for your help as we look at your word uh, and help, uh, help sharpen our minds uh, and our hearts too. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So as you may have seen, we're in uh, Acts chapter 9. Uh, We won't read the whole passage. Uh, Hopefully you've had a chance to do that beforehand, Uh, but we're going to we're going to look at a few sections from this. Um, A person's response to any given situation uh, tells us volumes about them. Uh, It doesn't matter what age uh, our responses to things give away our heart. Uh, The other day, Lydia was doing something she shouldn't do. And all I had to do was say, Lydia. And she immediately stopped and turned around and said, sorry, daddy. And that doesn't happen all the time. But um, I didn't need to explain. I didn't need to say anything more. She knew exactly what she was doing and she knew her response needed to be an apology. Equally, responses can convey good things, too. When you give a gift to someone and they respond with exuberant joy, then you know that your gift has hit the mark. Um, or when sometimes in church, suddenly there's kind of a rise in the volume and passion of the singing. And that tells us that maybe something's happening in people's hearts as they respond to the truth of the words in the songs. Responses give away a huge amount. So then if responses are so important, um, then our response to the most important thing uh, has to be very important. So the question really is, what, what was our response to our salvation When the Lord transferred us from the kingdom of darkness and into his glorious light, when we ceased being enemies of God, when the Lord's irresistible grace drew us from our sin into righteousness, what was our response? Well, the reality is the Bible doesn't give us a set response. There's no, uh, well, I guess maybe there can be wrong responses, but there there isn't necessarily a right one. Um, But what we can do is we can look for markers and characteristics of a true conversion. And we know that from the book of Acts, that the apostles were looking at Paul's conversion with much scrutiny. Uh, in Acts 9, verse 26 to 27, we see that the apostles didn't even believe that he had become a Christian. or uh, well, some of them didn't. And it took Barnabas to bring Paul to the apostles and to explain what had happened for them to believe. So as we look this week at Paul and the beginnings of his travels, it's important for us to understand maybe what Barnabas might have told the disciples Uh, What characteristics did he give of Saul uh, that that convinced the apostles that this destroyer of believers, as you see in in 921, had become one of the brethren? We get a precie of it in in verses 27 to 28. Um, It says, but Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus and he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem. So we get kind of a precy of what Barnabas said but I think we can actually see a few more key characteristics of a true believer in the life of Paul immediately following his conversion. Now I don't necessarily think these are in a prescriptive order. Uh, This is just how it manifested in the life of Paul and it won't necessarily be the same for every person Uh, but it's a great guideline to see the kinds of things that a newly regenerate heart would seek. So we're going to look at verses 19 uh, through to uh, 26. So in verse 19, uh, so basically we've, um, we've already had Paul being converted. He was uh, we, we know the story. He was on the Damascus road, ready to uh, go and, and destroy uh, the believers. He meets with, the, with Christ. Uh, he is, is blinded. And we've come to the point where now in verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, "He is the Son of God." So I think in verse nineteen uh, we see this one of the first characteristics. We see fellowship in fellowship with other believers. This is a key sign of a regenerate heart, wanting to be around those who are part of your spiritual family. we not desire, we lost you for oh. Sorry. Am I back? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, So uh, fellowship is a key sign of a regenerate heart, wanting to be around uh, our spiritual family. If we don't desire to be together, how can we say that we love one another? As the Apostle John says in his first epistle, that love and relationship with other believers protects us. It encourages us. It refines us. It challenges us. It builds us up. And that's why the author of Hebrews states so clearly in chapter 10, do not forsake meeting together. Maybe a particularly apt message for us at this time. They didn't have Zoom back then. So that's the first thing we see fellowship, a desire for fellowship. But we also then see in verses 19 and 20, we see a desire for proclamation. The second aspect we see immediately follows that of fellowship, and is that Saul's desire to share the new truth that he has acquired? He immediately began to proclaim Jesus. Now, we have to understand that Saul wasn't a, a run of the mill new believer, was he? He had come from a heritage that gave him all the knowledge that he needed. He was just missing the key. Christ, things fell into place for him uh, that for us you know it doesn't happen when we are uh, uh, completely new and we uh, you know and when we think about jake and holly who are who, uh, who are new christians and and maybe come from uh, from a background that doesn't have that uh, there are lots of things that need to be taught was paul had all this knowledge and christ was the key that unlocked this knowledge so he he wasn't kind of a run-of-the-mill run of new believer but look at the passion that he has he surrounds himself with believers And then he propels himself out into this task of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. What a challenge. Do we see new believers doing this? Do we see new believers sharing their faith with friends and family? Do we guide them and help them to do this? And there might be many reasons why genuine believers might not do it straight away, but it's definitely a warning sign for us, isn't it? If someone claims to be a Christian, but refuses to share their faith with others, especially if they're not a new believer, this can't be a pattern of our life, can it, as we, as we move on? We, we must be sharing uh, the gospel with others. So we've seen fellowship uh, in verse 19 and then pro- proclamation in verses 19 and 20. The next thing we see is growth, verse 22. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So the principle here is that a true convert will grow and sometimes they'll grow fast like Paul. However, as we get older and we have been a Christian for a long time, it might feel that growth is gradual and slow. Uh, But I think that's normal. In my previous life as a personal trainer, new clients who had previously low levels of exercise always responded quickly, losing weight fast. They saw muscle grow fast, but clients we've been training for a long time sometimes complained of slow progress. This is because the longer you exercise for, the more your body is used to it. And therefore, changes become more gradual. You need to work harder to push through plateaus. And sometimes you get stuck for a period and you have to push harder to get through. And I think this is somehow analogous to our spiritual walks, isn't it? When it's all new, it, it, it can be easy to be learning all these new things and to be implementing them into life and dramatic changes happen. But for a long term Christian... We have to work so much harder sometimes, it seems, to see those changes in our character, maybe in our devotional life, in our knowledge of God and his word. That's why we don't pray less, we pray more. We don't read less, we read more. Maybe because we understand the importance, uh, or maybe because we are more convicted about our spiritual state the longer we're in a relationship with the Lord. Regardless of all of this, the main thing is this, are we growing? Are the new Christians around us we see growing? It's such an important question for us to ask. As Paul says in Galatians, we must see fruit growing in our lives, even if that growth is gradual and slower than we would like. So we've seen fellowship. uh, We've seen proclamation. We've seen growth. uh, And the penultimate thing we see is training versus 22 to 23. Uh, And I say that because uh, there's a gap between 22 and 23. Uh, where Paul was in Arabia. And we're told about that in Galatians 1, verse 11 to 18. So the narrative here it kind of goes straight on. Uh, but in that uh, gap between 23, 2 and 23, this is when Paul's in Arabia. He goes away from Damascus to Arabia, gets trained uh, by Christ, and then he comes back again. Um, and then in, and he stays there in Damascus for for a period of time. And then in verse 26, he goes to Jerusalem. And so this is a three-year period from Paul's conversion to him going to Jerusalem, uh, and I, I we we don't have time to go into the, his training period, but I think it's an amazing thought, and I've always I've always wished that uh, the Lord would whisk me away to Arabia or you know or somewhere and 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 give me this this training um, that he must have had. But it wasn't training in isolation. He would, have been, he would have been preaching and stuff as well. Second Corinthians 11.32 suggests that Paul's time in Nabatea wasn't solitary contemplation. He was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles there, uh, which is why um, King Aretas uh, has his representative in Damascus try to arrest him, presumably because of what he was preaching while he was in Nabatea. But I love this cross-section of verses because here we see Paul submitting himself to training. He didn't immediately go and demand his apostolic credentials in Jerusalem. Uh, He spent time with the Lord and was trained. And there have been many times that, that, yeah, as I said, I wish that that would have happened to me too. But instead, he has given us institutions, online courses, wise people, books, and most importantly, his word and his spirit to train us. The most important thing for a new believer and for all of us is to be in his word, to be guided and discipled through the reading Uh, through reading of it and equipped for understanding. So some of these characteristics we've seen so far of a new believer. um, We see fellowship, a desire for fellowship, proclamation, growth, training, and lastly, accountability. One of the wonderful examples of Paul is this. He comes to Jerusalem and we're told he meets with James and Peter and he spends time with them. He knew that as a member of the church, he couldn't just go around doing his own thing He needed to submit himself to the existing leadership of the church and to make sure that he was walking correctly. It could have been potentially underwhelming for him meeting the apostles when he just spent time with the Lord um, and being trained. Um, But I imagine they must have connected over this bond they had, this joy of sharing stories of their time with the Lord. And what an example to all who had followed Saul's exploits, that following his conversion, he came to the leaders he had previously opposed, And brought himself into alignment with them. This just again shows how important it is for us to be together with other believers, but also under leadership. Now, Paul didn't always agree with them. Um, Submission isn't blind following. Uh, Someone categorized submission as a willful laying aside of one's strength for the sake of others. And that's what Paul did. So as we begin this kind of journey with Paul throughout this week, we see that he exhibited some clear signs of being a follower of Christ. He sought fellowship eagerly. He proclaimed the message boldly. He grew continually. He trained willfully and he submitted humbly. So let's follow his example and be mindful of the young Christians in our church today, as Barnabas did for Saul, um, that we support them and encourage them as they begin their walk with Christ. But also for those of us who aren't young Christians, uh, for us to encourage each other and spur each other on with these examples as well.